Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Today's scripture is found in John's Gospel, chapter 8. It's found on page 877 in your pew Bible. So we begin with verse 8, Jesus in the upper room on that final evening with the disciples. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Then skipping to verse 25. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. It's my pleasure to be here with you this morning and to bring you a word from John chapter 14. Uh, before I get started, I want to say a couple things. One, Angela, we, we call that being voluntold at the Aldrich House, and uh, I, I get it, uh, but many volunteers make VBS work, and we're grateful for all those. I know Allie is for all those who've shown up. And also, my Pentecost Red would not be uh, able to have happened without George Stewart in a frantic uh, move. Uh, this morning, I looked toward my bow tie collection and saw no red. Evidently, it's still packed in a box somewhere. And uh, I texted George early this morning knowing he was a bow tie wearer, and he came through for me. So if you like the bow tie, he'll sell you some. <laughs> so we look in John chapter 14 about this curious story, Philip and Jesus, all are in the upper room. So I'll never forget it. It was November 26, 1989, in Clemson's Memorial Stadium, 
And it's where my love for attending concerts began. You see, my Aunt Judy took me, my 14-year-old self, to see Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. It was my very first concert. Of course, this was supposed to be the Rolling Stones' farewell tour. Um, We all know where that went. And there was no way we could miss it, right? So we traveled to the stadium, and it was an epic night. It was a night I'll never forget. There was nothing like listening to them play one of their most iconic songs, Satisfaction. I can get no. You know it, right? I'm not going to try out for the choir, Bill. Um, And Nadia Bowles-Weber, in a devotional thought earlier this year, says she confessed that she'd been thinking about the connection between satisfaction and acceptance. And she says this. See, in John chapter 14, Jesus is trying desperately to tell his disciples in about 600 different ways that the Father has sent him. That if they want to see the heart of the Father, they need, they need to look no further than to him. That he and the Father are one. To which Philip replies, Lord, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Will you though, Philip? Will you be satisfied, Bowles-Weber asks. Jesus was literally standing right in front of him in that present moment, and Philip was too in his head to be satisfied by that. I love Philip for this, she says. She continues, it makes me wonder in what ways do I assume my own satisfaction is somewhere else. In a future time, in a different situation, with different people. And how does this keep me from experiencing the gift of what happens to already be right in front of me? Today's text offers us a different approach to experiencing the Spirit of God this Pentecost Sunday. We're not in a text and surrounded by this uh, text depicting a roaring wind and tongues of flame followed by dynamic preaching to a multicultural audience, but we do get a dynamic picture of an experience with the real and living presence of Jesus. That's important. Jesus is attempting to offer final promises to the gathering of friends in this upper room. He's talking about the comfort and guidance that they're going to need. The comfort and guidance to come. You see, shortly, they'll all step out into the darkness, the darkness of his arrest and crucifixion, parading around in a world looking for satisfaction and safety. Philip's question in response to Jesus' reassurance that the way to the place where he is going which is a source of fear and anxiety for all of them as they sense this impending crisis they're about to go through, is already accessible. It's right in front of their faces. Jesus tries to clearly explain it one more time. 
Jesus, their friend, the one who is the embodiment of God's love for the world from before time, is the way to the heart of God. This promise Jesus makes comes shortly after Peter's insistence that he'll follow Jesus to death. We know how that story ends, don't we? Deny, deny, deny. And that, in turn, has followed the threefold commandment to love, which seems to have fallen on the ears of folks who just aren't paying attention well. This promise of the Spirit, the promise that Jesus offers, comes in the midst of confusion and fear, sure. It's made them unable to grasp what he's saying. They're struck. This promise of the Spirit Jesus offers does not come to completely faithful, courageous people. People already loving one another and the world boldly. People already worshiping in spirit and truth. The disciples are having trouble being fully present. They are not satisfied. Jesus offers a path forward anyway in the promise of the Spirit. This promise emerges from the mutual love the Father and Son have for one another and for us. Jesus offers something to which they are all invited. But at that very moment, that kind of grace seems beyond their grasp. And let's face it, folks, it seems beyond ours at times, too. Yet Jesus offers relationship again. A love from and for this person they know and have known. This person they followed around and have seen perform miracles. And though this relationship with Jesus, through this relationship with Jesus, he tries to explain that they are opening their hearts to the very presence of God. This presence shows up in a new form, though. It's another advocate, a spirit of truth, who will guide them and embolden them for this journey toward active and living love. You see, this advocate, Jesus promises, the Greek term is paraclete. We sang it in an earlier hymn. It is a part of kind of a a motif, a trial motif that John, the gospel writer, um, gives us and moves through that entire gospel. This advocate, one who testifies on our behalf, underscores how the spirit of truth dwells in these disciples, but also in us today. The advocate comes alongside us to bear witness in us and helps us grasp all that we need to know. The advocate comes alongside us as we are ready to receive it, receive it, and works through us to share the love of God with the world. The word paraclete is only used four times in the entire Gospel of John. John slows his narrative pace as Jesus comforts and instructs these disciples and us for life in the world. Paraclete also appears once more in 1 John chapter 2. And that mention refers directly to Christ. 
So the Spirit is another advocate who dwells in us as the Father dwells in the Son and Jesus dwelled in the world. When the physical presence of Jesus is no longer available, still the way, the truth, and the life are in us. And so Jesus and the Father will make their presence known in us, Jesus says, because when we love Jesus, what will we do? We'll follow his commandments, right? It's interesting that the only explicit commandment Jesus gives us in the entire Gospel of John is the new commandment given three times in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus repeats and elaborates on that commandment commandment in chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. He says, when we do, when we love Jesus, we will live in love, and the Spirit will then be available to guide us in that life of love. It will give us strength to love one another. Because it's hard, isn't it? Loving one another. When we're fully present and we pay close attention, we can see that Jesus shows us what living love looks like in his own life. He lives a life fully present, making God's love for the world known. Jesus enacts love and says we will also do this in words and works in dangerously truthful testimony to political and religious authorities, in a ministry of boundary-breaking healing and of feeding, and physically and spiritually hungry folks, and in a life of humility, of friendship, and of prayer. He tells us that we're to follow his example And he also gives us additional instruction on what loving God and one another looks like for the rest of us. As Peter responds three times to Jesus' triple love question in chapter 21, Jesus responds to him, feed, tend, feed. Then he says, follow me. And Jesus adds not to get too excited about how our neighbor's life of service looks, but to do our own following, the love that we can do. These things, as the alternative good news of Pentecost suggests, are ways we can live into the fullness of the life of the Spirit that breathes over us that dwells in us, that advocates on our behalf and flows through us to the world in witnessing love, active, moving. But first, we must be fully present. I think that that avoidance of the present moment is what keeps us from what Jagger and Philip are worried about this satisfaction, 
this full-throated love that Jesus is trying to explain. Because how in the world can we actually experience anything we have now as being good if we live in resentment of, or even worse, the nostalgia of the past? How in the world can we actually experience anything we have now as being good if we look towards a future we wonder if it even holds hope for us. We're missing out on the sacrament of the present moment, which is exactly where God is to be found, and it's where Jesus was with Philip, present. Bowles Weber says this best. She says, This is why the I am statements in John's gospel are so amazing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I was the way, or at some point I will be the way. No, there is an I amness to the Lord, which means now. Now. In this space, in 2022, in all of the spaces around this nation that are lifting high the presence, even in spaces where Christians aren't, the I amness of God is running wild. God's not hiding somewhere in our hoped-for future. God's not waiting for all the ideal circumstances to line up for us. God's not hiding in a future where we meet our spouse and then we'll finally jump out of the bushes and make all our dreams come true. Or when we finally have a baby. Or the moment when everyone in our lives finally starts acting the way we think they should. Some of the things we're waiting on, the satisfaction we seek, may never come, folks. So, What in the world are we waiting on? God is found in our actual reality, this present moment. God doesn't want to wait for the eventualities we construct. This is the day the Lord hath made. You and I are the beloved the Lord hath made. This is the body of Christ. The active church that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in all of it. Because now, right now, is when God is saying, be still and know that I am God. Right now, as work calls, as parents age, as children rebel... And as our tummies rumble because this preacher won't land his sermon right now. Be still and know that I am God. The Spirit is moving, folks. Be present and listen because even though we think there is no satisfaction to be found, yet everything we need has already been given to us. Amen. Let's pray. Good and faithful God, God of blessed quietness, God of wind and fire, we know you offer the Spirit 
the transforming advocate, the advocate that will walk alongside us, that will carry us through the darkness. Lord, help us quiet ourselves and pay attention to that spirit that is moving in us, all around us, whether we like it or not. Lord, we trust in the power of the Spirit. We dive headlong into its purpose, into your purpose for our life, and we ask that we would gain clarity around it this day. Because this is the day the Lord hath made. We pray all of this in the transforming name of Jesus. Amen. So we all have a, a, an opportunity to respond. It's not our job as Christians to hear uh, a message and to say, oh, that sounded great. Or, man, he missed the point here. But our job is response. And so how is God calling you to respond today maybe God's calling you to listen better maybe God's calling me to to look for the spirit in my life more clearly maybe God is calling us to be more present in the lives of folks that we will come into contact this week whatever God is calling you to listen and answer I'll be down front if there's something you want to share with me about that call about Uh, something you've been praying about, about joining this church, about coming to know Christ more clearly. I'll be down front, and as we stand and sing hymn number 244, Blessed Quietness, I wish you would come and respond as the Lord leads. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, Come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.